God has a promise and a plan for our provision and prosperity. If we seek to obey His plan, He'll fulfill His promise to us. This message is the fourth in the series, Wise Up. The message is entitled, Be Generous, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Welcome to Church of the Redeemer. We're so glad that you're with us this weekend. I want to take a moment to welcome all of our campuses. Let's give a good round of applause to all you folks in Frederick. We welcome you this weekend. The folks in Clarksburg, universities at Shady Grove, of course, our Gaithersburg campus, all of you that are watching online, just all the campuses. Let's welcome one another into the study of God's Word this weekend. If you're with us for the first time, we're really glad that you're here and trust you'll be back uh, as a part of worship with us. We're involved this ser- summer in a series called Wise Up. We want to continue in that series this weekend and actually we're going to continue with the theme that we talked about started on last weekend of generosity so I want to continue with that focus but before we look at our passage today let me just remind you of what this series is all about wise up I think all of us would agree that we all need more wisdom. There are times in life you get to a place and say, you know what, I just need to know what the right thing to do is. And that's really what wisdom is. Wisdom is not uh, just having a lot of head knowledge and information and being knowledgeable mentally, but it's also knowing how to apply knowledge to situations and so you're actually making good decisions. And the best time to develop your wisdom capacity is not when you're in a moment of need. The best time to develop it is before that moment shows up so that you have a repository of wisdom in your life. And so we're looking at, of course, the Bible as the wise book that de- describes for us how we are to live and what is right and wrong and what is good and bad and better and best. And we're looking at the scriptures to see what wisdom is all about, particularly in the book of Proverbs. And our main focus this summer is in the third chapter of that book. I want to draw your attention to the passage we looked at last weekend. If you missed that message, I would encourage you to go online at church-redeemer.org and just download it free of charge. All of our messages are free and available for you right there on the church website and uh, just take advantage of that. Use that, share it with somebody and let it be a blessing in your life. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. This is our focal point uh, this weekend as well. Honor the Lord. In fact, why don't we all read it together? Let's start again. Everybody, all of our campuses, let's read aloud and loudly. Here we go. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Here God is giving us a point and principle of wisdom. He's saying, I want you to know how to be wise. And the way to be wise relates to the material realm of your life. And I want you to learn how to honor the Lord with your wealth and to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops. Because when you do that, there will be a a positive consequence, a promise for you. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So there's a promise here. There's a plan of action that we need to engage in. And there is a change of perspective that needs to happen. Last weekend, we talked about knowing and uh, understanding that God knows and understands and grasps and cares about all the needs in our life. And so we laid that foundation last weekend. Today, I want to talk about two more very important, I believe, applicable points and principles from this particular passage. 
The first thing this weekend is that you and I are being taught by God that it's wise that wisdom is all about putting God first in the material part of your life. To put God first in the material part of your life. Listen to what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That's with the material dimension of your life. With the first fruits of all your crops. Again, that is part of what you, your possession. And this verse specifically tells us what we're to do if we're going to experience the flow of God's abundant provision. Last weekend, you might recall that I talked about stepping into the flow of God's blessing, not just to live from crisis to crisis and not just to survive life, but to thrive in life in the flow of God's blessing. And this is what it's teaching us. It's teaching us how to live a certain way. Let me share with you eight, eight things you need to know about the ninth verse of the third chapter of Proverbs when the Scripture says, Honor the Lord. Lord with your wealth. The first thing you need to know is that part of honoring involves giving. That's what he's saying. Honor the Lord with your wealth. That is to make sure that you give weight to, that you give regard to, that you treat it solemnly, that you don't treat lightly the idea of giving to God. Honoring involves giving and placing weight on the importance of doing so. So you have to grasp that. Second of all is that giving is not just a concept. It's, it's a practical thing. It's a practice in the practical realm of your life. So giving is practical, it's measurable, it's observable. He says, give, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, wealth is what you already have. Wealth is not what you hope to have one day. Wealth is not what you're dreaming about. It's not what you think you're going to get when you hit the lottery. It's not the idea of one day I'm going to be wealthy. No, wealth is really the substance of what you have in your hand right now. And we always start, God always starts with not, not, not with what you don't have or you hope to have. God always starts with what you do have. The miracle of the feeding the 5,000 happened because God took what they did have, even though it was very little, five loaves and two fish, but he took what they had and he did something with it. The same is true for your life. What do you have right now? What is the wealth? What are the resources of your life in this moment? So giving is practical. So you honor the Lord. That is, giving is a part of honoring, and honoring is practical. Giving is practical. And then the third thing you see is that giving to honor God has a beginning point. It's called the first fruits. The scripture says here in this verse, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And so here is a very practical dimension that giving has the beginning point. God says, I want to get you started in this generosity thing because I want you to live like me. I want you to be as I am. I want you to learn my nature. And sometimes people don't do things. We don't do things unless we are challenged or even sometimes commanded to get started, that we get commanded towards something that is good for us. And then it becomes habitual, a good, positive, habitual habit pattern in our life. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get started by giving to me your first fruits. Now, I could do an entire study on first fruits. We could probably do a series of messages on first fruits. But for today's purposes, and, and certainly is accurate according to Scripture, is that first fruits, uh, among all the things it represents in the Bible, certainly does represent the, the tithe or the first 10% of what God has blessed you with. And so God says, I want you to take, I'm going to read you some verses in a moment that lay this out for you. But God says, I want you to take the first fruits. 
In, in agricultural terms, that would have been the first harvest that came in. Think about this. So you've been, you've been planting and waiting for the harvest to come in. And finally, you go out and you look on the, in your field. And you've got the first ears of corn or the first ripened tomatoes or the first uh, whatever it might be that you're gathering in. The first wheat that's coming in from the harvest. And God says, I want you to take that first part, the first fruits that come in. And I want you to honor me with that. I want you to take the first fruits, and that's our tithe. And the Bible says of the tithe, it's that first 10% of what God blesses us with. And so honoring is about giving, and honoring uh, in terms of giving has a practical dimension. And the practical dimension is it has a beginning point. And God says, I want you to begin with this dimension of life called the first fruit. Now, the fourth thing I want you to see about this passage is the tithe came before the law of Moses. A lot of people think, well, it's just giving to God or the having to give the tithe is something that Moses talked about and doesn't apply to us as Christians. Well, that's not really true. Actually, the law of Moses uh, reinforced something that was already in place before uh, Moses even came on the scene. Let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. In the very early days of civilization, the early times of history, and notice what the Bible says about Cain and Abel. And Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the, what's the next word there, firstborn of his flock. So and Abel even understood this, the son of Adam and Eve. He understood that God, he was to give God to God first, some of the firstborn of the flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The difference between Cain and Abel is that Abel gave of the first fruits of, what, of his flocks and, and Cain did not follow the principle. And so you see reinforced that first fruit principle. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God, most high, and he blessed Abram. So this is a e meeting with Abram or Abraham with this king called Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And the Bible says that he they are having a meal together. And by the way, there's a lot of symbolism here of the Lord's Supper and Melchizedek representing the order of Jesus Christ as you read in the book of Hebrews. I don't have time to go into all the dimensions of that. But here is Abram or Abraham with Melchizedek, who is an Old Testament figure of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he, that's Melchizedek, blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram, what did Abram do in response to the blessing of Melchizedek, representative of Jesus Christ? Then Abram gave a tenth of everything. So he gave to him a tenth of the portion of the spoils of battle to the king Melchizedek that represented Jesus Christ. The tithe certainly was firmly established in the law of God given to Moses. Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Chapter 27 of Leviticus, beginning in verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. 
Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. So again, the law of Moses reinforced it. So you see it before Moses. You see it in the law of Moses. You see the fact that the people of God suffered when they neglected it. In Malachi 3, verses 8 and 9, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, so God says, you're robbing me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God's response was, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. And then notice what he says, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. God said, the reason that you're suffering as you are, because you're not living in the flow of provision that I've ordained for you. I want you to enter into that flow, but you, you instead are withholding. You're robbing from me, and because of that, you are suffering. You're creating your own circ negative circumstances by your disobedience to the principle of bringing the tithe into the storehouse. And then Jesus taught the principle of tithing. Did you know this? A lot of folks don't realize that Jesus actually taught, reinforced the principle of tithing. It's in the New Testament. A lot of folks don't understand this, but it's right there. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, that's the tithe of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Let me stop there for a moment. Here were the Pharisees, and they were really good at tithing, giving the tithe on the smallest little things that they had in life or the smallest uh, uh, production that they had. They would tithe of that, and they were very good at it, but they were, they were not very nice, okay? They didn't understand justice and mercy and faithfulness. And so Jesus is trying to address this lack in their life, and he makes this statement. Notice the latter part of verse 23. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What was the latter? The latter was justice and mercy and faithfulness. What was the former? It was the tithe. Jesus said, I'm not upset that you're tithing. You, you, you ought to do that. Don't neglect that. But don't do that and, and be nasty to people. Don't do that and just be live any old way you want to in an attitude toward others without justice or mercy or faithfulness. He's saying you need to do both. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Do them all. The eighth thing you have to understand about the tithe is that the tithe is never about your money. It's never about your material resources. The tithe is always about your trust, your trust in God. The tithe, with, tithe was never about God getting something from people, and it's not today about God getting something from people. When you and I bring to God our tithe, what we're saying to Him is this. We're saying, I really do trust you. I believe that you're going to take care of me. I believe you're going to take care of the things that are mine. I'm going to put you first in the material realm of life. Let me see if I can explain this from an agricultural perspective because we're in this series, Wise Up, and we're looking at Proverbs 3, and the Scripture says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Think about that farmer back in the days when the book of Proverbs was written. The farmer had gone out and planted his seed, 
in the springtime and nurtured it and made sure it was properly cultivated through the summer months and then came the harvest and he goes out and sees the first ears of corn coming up or the first ripened tomatoes that are coming up or the most beautiful cucumbers that are showing up on the vine or the beautiful wheat or barley that is now beginning to be golden and ready for harvesting and God says I want you to take that first portion and I want you to give it to me why would God do that because that was a way that that farmer could say to God, not only God, do I thank you for giving me the opportunity to do what I do and the strength to do what I do, but I want to thank you for the work you've provided me and the, the opportunity to, to have a flow of blessing in my life. And now I'm going to give you, God, the first portion of what you've blessed me with as a statement that I trust that the rest of the harvest is coming. And so that first portion was not God somehow being stingy or God saying, I demand you to give me the first. He was saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to show that you really trust me. You know, it's really easy to say I trust God. But when you make the decision to really put God first in your finances and first in the material realm of your life, it's when you actually say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this money to you. I'm going to write this check and give to you because I'm saying I trust you. I told you the story in my own life of how I learned to tithe. My dad taught me that early, at a very early age. My first allowance uh, of a dime, my dad taught me to give one penny out of every dime to God. My first penny was not to spend on myself. My first penny went to God. A dime out of every dollar, a dollar out of every ten dollars, ten dollars out of every hundred dollars belonged to God. And I gave it to him first. I didn't pay God second. I gave it to him first. And then I was able to, as we'll talk about in a moment, manage what was behind that what was left but it was not easy to begin that process but as you begin and learn and see the joy and the flow that comes through it you'll begin to understand why God established that because you're saying God I put you first in this realm of my life not just in some theoretical way but in a very very practical way so the first thing that is necessary is to understand that we need to put God first in the material realm of our life. And that primarily relates to bringing to him our first fruits, which is the tithe uh, related to what he's blessed us with. The second thing I want to share with you this weekend, we're learning wisdom, right? We're talking about wising up. So it's wise to put God first and it's wise to manage the material part of your life. Honoring God with your wealth goes beyond giving. It includes managing and stewarding well what, what you have left after you give. And so when I give God a penny out of every dime and a dime out of every dollar, okay, and I give it to him and I say, God, I'm going to practice generosity. This is how you've commanded me to live. I want to cheerfully do this because I want to be godly. I want to live in the flow of your blessing, not just live in a moment of crisis provision where I survive, but a lifestyle where I can begin to thrive of sowing and reaping. So I'm going to regularly bring my tithe to you as an expression of that. Then not only do I give him the first 10%, that penny out of every dime and dime out of every dollar, but then I have what's left over and I have to make some good choices with what's left. I have to now manage or steward what is left behind, what I have after I have given to God. You can't just spend 
un, uh, un, unwisely and expect to have blessings. So let me share with you four things that will help you to manage wisely. Again, these are principles of wisdom. You have to maintain, first of all, the right perspective on money and material things. There's nothing wrong. Let me say this. There's nothing wrong with having you know, money. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's not evil to, to have it, but it's very evil if it has you. If it's controlling your life, if you're controlled by greed and materialism, uh, then, then there's a problem. It's controlling you in a very uh, ungodly way. And one of the best ways to see if you're materialistic or not is whether you have a hard time giving. Because people who are non-materialistic don't have a problem giving. So really there's this greed and materialism that's the wrong perspective. Listen to what Paul said about this to Timothy in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, notice a lot of people get this wrong. It's not the money, it's the love of money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul is addressing the, one of the key root issues of sinful nature. And that is the issue of greed, always wanting more and more and more and more and always being controlled by the materialistic need to have something better than someone else or something that is equal to someone else. It's that drive that is never satisfied. That's why he said godliness with contentment is great gain. And so to manage your life well, your resources well, you have to have the right perspective. Money is not evil if it's used in the right way. It's evil if it's, if, if, it's, if it's created a love for, if you have a love for it that is actually controlling and dominating your life. The second thing you have to do to manage well is to get ahead in your life through good and godly activities. If you're going to get ahead, you have to do it the right way. You have to resist the temptation to obtain wealth or obtain material things through deceit. You know, there are a lot of people that the way they try to win a contract is they'll deceive you or they will trick you in some way. And, and, and deception goes on in business all the time. It's, very, it's, it's sad to think of how very few really honest people that we have in business. And it's important to be honest in the way that you do business. You don't do it through deceit or through theft or through abuse or through schemes that defraud or that take advantage of other people. So you're managing your life well. You give yourself to diligent labor and hard work and increasing your education where you need to and increasing your skills that will help you to develop your earning capacity. But that's all managing your life well. So, yes, I give to God, but that's not just the magic bullet, so to speak, to blessing for your life. No, to move your life forward, you've got to also manage well. You've got to have the right perspective of money. And then if you're going to move forward with your life, you've got to do it the right way. You've got to stay clear of things that are quick fixes and get-rich-quick schemes. And this happens all the time. Real good, positive Growth in the, the material realm of your life involves diligent labor. God rewards diligence and God rewards your personal growth. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10 verse 2. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Ill-gotten treasures. 
want to ch challenge you in your, in your business dealings and all that you do to do it the right way. Be a godly businessman. Be a godly person. Have values that you live by. And you know, it's going to be tough at times because there's a, a lot of deceit in the world around you. But I promise you, if you'll obey God's principles, He will bless you. Proverbs 21, 5 and 6. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. A fortune made by a lying tongue. Notice that. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. How true that is. If you get your fortune by lying, it's nothing more than a fleeting va vapor and it'll ultimately be a deadly snare to you. And then as we talked about uh, earlier, you and I need to become consistent, cheerful tithers and givers. That's important. Develop it as a pattern in your life. The Bible says, for God loves, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. And that's a way that, again, we say that we trust God. We, we sow. And you can't expect to receive harvest in your life unless you are sowing, unless you're doing things God's way. Listen to Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 through 6. I love this passage. Cast your bread upon the waters. Let's give it away. For you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall allow. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you as you do not know what is the way as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed. That is verse six. In the morning sow your seed. In the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. God is teaching us to be seed sowers in the way that we give and giving generously and giving consistently. And then number four, handle your resources well. After you give to God, learn to handle properly the remaining resources. That's stewardship. It talks, that, that's budgeting and that's controlling your impulses and avoiding the bondage of excessive debt. And I really want to encourage you to make some choices in your life. Let's see, we're talking about living wisely, wising up. And again, to create a budget. If you don't have a budget, let me encourage you to create one. Just to sit down and say, okay, what are my expenses? Putting God first. Now I'm going to create this budget based upon what I have left. And so uh, it's what I call and is often referred to as the 80-10-10 or 10-10-80 principle uh, that you want to move toward in your life. Giving 10% away to God, to His purpose, to His church. And then saving 10% if you, as you grow, and that perhaps will be something you have to grow in, but you need a, a fund for rainy days, if you will. And then learning to live off of the 80% so that you have some margin in your life. There are a lot of people that are just so stretched out to the edges. And sometimes we're stretched out because of just circumstances that exist that we have to work our way through. Sometimes we put ourselves into those circumstances by making purchases that we really can't afford. And you have to be on guard. See, in our world, there's such, a, such an easy pathway into, into debt. Okay, So easy. So many uh, young folks that are coming out of college with massive debts. And 
uh, not just educational debts, but credit card debts, and already behind uh, in their world, uh, their life, from, from the sort of the beginning of their, their, their career. And, and then the pattern gets set in life. And so what you want to learn is to control the impulses. If you can't afford it, don't buy it, and don't buy it until you can afford it. And you don't always have to have exactly what everybody else has. And so you want to work your way to that point in life where you have some margin that you're not living stressed out all the time. And it takes some effort. One of the things that we provide here at our church is something called Financial Peace University. And uh, Dave Ramsey teaches the, uh, teaches the class. It's uh, via video. And there's a discussion group that goes along with it, homework that you do. And it really will get you on track. And so coming up this fall, if you haven't gone through Financial Peace University, I would highly recommend it because it helps you to get into a system that will, again, create a flow where you're not just surviving, but you're learning to thrive and living life uh, as God intended for you to live it. So make a decision. And if you're in debt, some folks may be saying, I'm so, so far in debt, I'll never get out. Yes, you will. We have testimonies here in our church of people who were in incredible debt, but they begin to apply God's principles and do it the right way. And by God's grace today, they're debt-free or they have significantly rede reduced the amount of debt. And I promise you, when you reduce the amount of debt in your life, you also reduce the amount of stress in your life. So manage well. You know, little can become a lot when it's properly managed. A little bit can become a lot. Frugality in the age of gratification is difficult. It's difficult to do, but it's important to learn to be properly frugal uh, where we need to be. Uh, one of the stories I love in the Bible is Joseph. Joseph's a great story of a leader, tremendous leader. And you know the story of how Joseph in the Old Testament, 17 years of age, receives a dream from his father, a dream, shares it with his, his father, his brothers, and of course they did not take to it very well, ended up selling him into slavery. You know the sequence of events that happened. He ends up in prison, ultimately in Egypt, and then uh, out of a miraculous moment, God brings him out of prison. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt to guide them through a time of challenge. And of course the, the time they were going to face was a time of great prosperity and then significant adversity and there were going to be seven years of fat years plenty of resources and then God said there would be seven lean years that would come and Joseph very wisely learned something he practiced something in the seven fat years he made sure that he stored up plenty for the seven lean years he learned he managed well the resource that had been given to him so God has a plan for your provision as we've talked about as in these last two weekends together, this wising up. You can't wise up until you deal with this realm of your life, the provisional realm of your life. And to remember that God knows every need that you have and that God cares about every need that you have. God generously wants to get you into a flow of life where it's not just about your survival, but it's about your thriving. It's about a flow of His provision. To do that, you have to choose to say, God, I'm going to put you first. You're number one. I'm going to make a decision to show you that I trust you in this realm of my life. And if you've never made the decision to begin to tithe, you make that decision. Say, God, I'm going to put you first in my finances. It's a step of faith. I promise you it's a step of faith to take that step. But when you take it, I promise you, if you will do it consistently, you will not be disappointed. It will be something that begins to work 
uh, God's purpose in your life. And then with what is left to say, now, God, that I've given to you, I'm going to now start working diligently with what else you've left, what, what, what I have remaining, that 90% that I have now to work with. And God, give me wisdom to know how to utilize it wisely so that there's margin, so that I end up in a flow of life where I can, in increasing ways, become generous as you are generous. And the good news is God said, bring all the tithe in the storehouse, test me in this, Malachi chapter 3, and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you that there's not room enough to receive. That is wisdom. When you put God first, when you begin to practice these principles, you're showing, you know what? I'm going to be a wise person. It's wising up by living according to the plan that God has for your provision. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We're so grateful that you've spoken to us. Lord, this is an area of life that we really need wisdom in. Lord, sometimes it's uh, challenging to think about it, challenging to talk about it, challenging to address it in our lives. But Lord, it's a very practical way that our lives begin to effectively show your lordship, that you're in charge of us. And so that I pray for each one of us, Lord, I pray that we would come to that point in life, that we would be willing to, first of all, have confidence in your provision, that again, you know and care about our needs. And then to take that step of trust to say, God, we're going to put you first in our finances so that you can bless us. We're going to live according to your principles. We're going to obey what you've told us to do. We're going to get started on the journey of giving. And then, Lord, give us wisdom to manage what we have remaining so that we, we handle it as wisely as possible. Lord, sometimes we, we make mistakes in that journey. We know that you're gracious with us, but we ask you to help us to continue to grow in wisdom and the way we manage our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. 
And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.